And a happy Wednesday to you folks. It's hump day halfway through the week. And let me tell you, today is a great day for the little things in life. We've heard from many people who are unsure and uncertain about whether their work, their hard work is actually paying off, whether their dedication or their loyalty has merit anymore. Well, folks, don't get caught up in the things that you can't control in life. Take a look at the little successes you have. Add those together and they will open up new doors of life and success and happiness. Gratitude is a powerful practice and it can revolutionize your life forever. Now let's get this party started on a hump day. It's Wednesday. Woohoo! It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Wednesday to you folks. My name is Jason Spees, the host of the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Sterling is off today back in Dakota doing his daily business, his grind, his construction real estate affiliated business. So no Sterling with us today. However, who we've got for us today. Are you ready for this folks? We've got Ken Lavin and Matt Hill with Talkin' Energy Show. The Talkin' Energy Show. Stopped in OKC, Oklahoma City, with the Trace Management Studios, the super cool Trace Management Studios, and Matt Hill, Ken Lavin, of course, Jeremiah Smith. Thank you very much for the hospitality in the Trace Management Studio. He joined us as well, so it's Matt Hill, Ken Lavin, Jeremiah Smith, Jason Spees. The egos were not big enough for the room, folks. We blew the podcast right out of the water. So what we're going to do for you here today is we're going to bring you a couple segments of the podcast. Then I'm going to invite you folks to go to the Talk and Energy Show and listen to the full length without any commercial interruptions, without anything at all. They've got the podcast in its entirety. It is a cross-promotional podcast. So I do want to thank Matt Hill. I do want to thank Ken Lavin and Jeremiah Smith, Trace Management. Thank you for doing this. This is all part of the strength in numbers mantra that the crude life is trying to bring 2021 and then next year carry that into 2022. Now, with that being said, we'll be at the Shale Play Energy Expo today, the trade show and the conference. That's happening in a few hours here. In fact, while you're listening to it, it might be happening right now while you're listening to it. But we've got a fantastic lineup. We've got Ron Gusick, CEO, Liberty Oil Field Services, Midland Mayor Patrick Payton, Derek Clark with the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners, Mariah Vargas. Mariah Vargas is going to be... <laughs> I mispronounced her name again. I should probably get that right before she ends up being my guest co-host for a couple of the interviews. And then, oh, she's with Amigo Pipe and Equipment. By the way, I think she's going to be a fabulous guest co-host. She has a Hispanic descent. She is a female. And she comes from a family business. In the media, we call that a trifecta. Now, if she was a veteran from the uh, military, that would be the Grand Slam. Just some inside baseball for you folks there as we like to check boxes in terms of demographics and all that other stuff. So, hey, we call it like we is. 
We call it like it is here at The Crude Life. Look at me getting all lazy as I'm getting ready for the Shale Energy Expo, trying to iron my shirt and do a podcast and hand it off to Matt Hill and Ken Lavin and Jeremiah Smith and the whole deal. So anyway, folks, of course, the main event after we talk with the CEO of uh, Kent Kirkhammer, the CEO of New Coda Services and Rentals. Also, I don't want to forget that we've got Krista Escamilla coming in with PBS's Basin Life and the Permian Perspective podcast. The real oil field women of the South being moderated by Chris Moore with the morning drive. Now the main event. Okay. Jeez, look at me. I get ahead of myself so quickly. Jim Wright, which is a problem, and that's what she said. Jim Wright the Texas Railroad Commission. He's going to be there speaking as well. So we were fortunate enough to land an interview with him to get an update from Austin and what's going on with the Railroad Commission. Now, folks, I'm going to hand it off to our cross-promotional podcast, Ken Lavin, Matt Hill with the Talking Energy Show, Jeremiah Smith. He's got Trace Management Studios, the three of them. They do a weekly show. We thought it'd be a great cross-promotional podcast because quite honestly like working with those guys they really understand where the industry wants to go they really do and so these guys are putting their blood sweat and their tears their hard work and their soul into this podcast and this communication platform that they've got going through all their different channels whether it's the tailgate that matt hill does the oil field tailgate whether it's ken lavin with the outdoor adventures whether it's jeremiah smith and 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 the jeremiah smith and trace management what they have going on this is some good stuff people some really good stuff so the crude life feels very fortunate to do this cross-promotional podcast and you know what we're learning as we go we're learning as we go and and spoiler alert we got a great little shelf of shame coming up here where we talk with Matt Hill about how much money a shelf of shame can cost you. We didn't even get into the time aspect really, but that's a big part of how to make your life better is figuring out time, balance, and how to make it work. Folks, we're going to hand it off right now, but hopefully we'll see you at the Shale Energy Resources Conference and Trade Show in Midland, Texas at the Horseshoe, the Midland Horseshoe Pavilion, June 9th and 10th. We'll see you in a bit, but right now, the Talking Energy Show cross-promotional podcast, The Crude Life Live and Local Recording Session. Here we go. Hey, everybody. This is uh, Matt Hill, and uh, I'm with Night Energy Services. Who do we got here? We got Ken Lavin with Winter Mud. Jeremiah Smith, Trace Management. Jason Spies with The Crude Life. And this is our show, uh, The Talking Energy Show, our new uh, longer-form podcast. Uh, we've got the Trace Management Studio gifted to us. Thank you, uh, Jeremiah and all the boys, Jason Goss and Luke Riggins. Uh, engineers here who do uh, project management and uh, well site consulting. Well site consulting, a lot of engineering, a lot of uh, regulatory stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, man, thank you guys for uh, the space and the uh, just the uh, support to uh, do stuff like this. You May I ask closet? a question at this time? Yeah, ask oh, a question. Right. Management is that French? 
It is not. Okay. There were three it's guys Spanish. that started it out in 92. Three out of work, uh, two out of work engineers and a production foreman. So they were drinking tequila. So there were three of them. Yeah. Uno, dos, tres. There's, there's a need here, boys and girls. Okay. Well, there tres we go. Tres de leches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I this thought at one point, too, when we were doing this, like, we should, you know, since it's the Trace Manager Studio, we should, you know, like, three topics we should talk about each week when we do this or however many times we do this week we don't know yet but it's a fun idea like you know so three well, topics that are on our minds like absolutely. what's on your mind well we do that on the crude life um three news new news items that's yeah. our news set well we call it news rumors and newspeak well before we get too far into this uh, uh yes. man tell everybody about yourself uh jason oh I mean, sure that's right what uh? What's your background? What are you so doing? So my right name is now? Jason Spee. I come from the crude life here, and as amongst other things. But uh, in fact, I was just talking to Jeremiah earlier that I'm 46 years old. Okay, 46. Super years young. Old. Super I, young. I started working. Uh, here we go to old age and uh, new new beginnings again <laughs> for the fourth time this year. So uh, I actually started the media when I was 10 years old. I was a newspaper carrier. And so we were joking, and I was processing in the moment that I learned distribution. It's kind of like salesman or oil field. Right. <laughs> yeah. Waking up every day and delivering the – like chores on a farm, right? you got to wake up every day. But I did it for the newspaper. And so it was, I learned the distribution, the, the daily meat grinder, the distribution, right? But back in my day, we had to actually go door-to-door and collect – Money. Oh, I've been, you had a good bicycle. Yeah, I've been there. I remember. So I was also accounts receivable. Yep. Okay, so imagine uh, you're 10 years old and the Monopoly newspaper, two of the most important departments in your entire organization, which is distribution and, and accounts receivable, and a 10-year-old boys in charge of that whole thing at the end of the day. He's the end of your supply chain. I love it. So that's where I came from. So a, I started in... Uh, that in a business in, model you never thought about. Oh, it's just a great Do you remember what rates you were getting? I do. I got six cents a paper. I was going to say six. Yeah, I, I made... Yeah. Yeah, Forty, right? Yeah, I'm almost there. Did Come you? On, don't, don't you, you, just, you know what's yeah. sad is well, we could do. We've done actually a podcast on this. We well, brought in an old play hard, or We brought an old newspaper guy. Yeah, and we talked about it for an hour, and wait, we wait. barely scratched the surface. So you were getting sick. How, hey, how much talking to the mic? Oh talking shoot, mic. man! I I didn't even. Yeah, no, huh? I just I was the freebie kid. It's like, oh, you have a huffy. Good, good. Here, here, go. Yeah, Schwinn well, bike. Right. I got five cents. And, five? Well, yeah, yeah, it wasn't much, and that was probably circa. 96, 95. Yeah, you were at the tail end of when the problem started. But yeah, the the beginning period, though. Heck, you were getting six cents. I'm only getting five cents. Well, then we get like I think we got Oklahoma rates. We got eight on a Saturday and I think twenty on a Sunday, right? And so, but at the end of the day, and this was in the '80s, really. So I was ten years old, but I would make between like three hundred and fifty dollars and four hundred and fifty dollars a month. If all the planets align. That's a nice bicycle. So when's the last time your collections and receivables aligned? Never. No, wow. So I've been honest to got cash flow in my life since I was 10 years old. Good job. Because, yeah. Well, the reason I had to get a job was we were poor. Mm-hmm. And we weren't poor. We were broke. That's why we were moving from Minneapolis, actually Sunberg, Wilmer area, to Fargo in order to start a new life. My dad, you know, like the old Head West young man. So he went and we started a new life. And basically being in fifth grade, your parents are saying, because I'm the youngest one at the time, either you can have hand-me-downs, garage sale clothes, or you can go get a job. And the only job available for a 10-year-old boy was a newspaper 
and mowing lawns. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah, about it. It's true. And now we got taken out by the adults on that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think about that today. Like I've got a 16 year old, and it's hard to find jobs for a 16 year old anymore. Right. Well, we were with our kids. We were looking. You can come over and trim my trees anytime again, man. What a, <laughs> what a dude, oh He had so much fun at your house. Not even gonna lie. He was like, dude, can I go back to Matt's house? Because I, I gave your 16 year old a chainsaw. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's what's gonna be. He was like, I'm gonna hang out with Matt all day. Probably have a. And allegedly, possibly a. a I think a it's because you've got a 15 year old daughter. I'm just saying. Oh, that, man. I, I, I forgot about the ulterior. What, what kind of job is this with the chainsaw? What's going on? Oh, his son comes over and trims my, my trees, and now I just realized why. It's funny. Better access to the window. My my buddy bought a electric chainsaw, and I was cutting down a tree in my yard. He's so pathetic. excited to bring it over. It was a little Dewalt one. With Please oh, tell me it didn't no. have a cord. No, it didn't. It was battery operated. But he was like, he was so excited about that. And he gets on a one inch limb or something like that. He takes five minutes, and I'm cutting down a whole darn tree next to him. They don't have the speed. You know, it's a little bit early in that, but leave it to the gas. I have a friend of ours that had one, and he had a cord, and he was like going around with it. I was like, he killing me. I stood on a six foot ladder with a chainsaw on a stick. Tell me you were at the top of the ladder. I like to stand on the very top. Also, my my, uh, lawn has an inclination, like pretty steep. Mm -hmm. So the ladder wasn't quite even level. Mm -hmm. And that way, yeah, I had a tilt. I had a what felt like, I don't know, it was like a 10 pound chainsaw. But if you put that on the end of a stick and hold it up, it's about a hundred pounds at that mm-hmm. point. Do so, the math. What's the math? Yeah. Then you then you a lean log. it into a log, <laughs> and then a log straight above you. Because mm-hmm. why would you like have any you know room to grow? Right. And then those things were like falling within inches of killing me. Because they're obviously. Why would I want to chop up a small piece when I could get the job done faster? That's right. Yeah. So three hundred pound pieces falling inches below. I mean, I was I was really thinking ahead. He could do stuff. He could do like our customer in the same thing, but he put the ladder on the limb, and then by the time that three hundred pounds fell off, that limb flung up, and his. I only fell off that ladder a few times. So ten year old boys and jobs. It uh, doesn't matter what age we are. We we're uh, thinking ahead on how to make money. Yeah, it's it's really interesting too. And then um, from there, uh, I decided that I wanted to make more money, and so. This was kind of a fun little entrepreneur, I guess, journey for me because the only other job, like I said, was mowing lawns, right? right. So, because lo and behold, not everybody would pay their bill. All of a sudden, a 10-year-old boy would show up to collect $8.80, yeah. and the wife had the checkbook for the third, fourth month. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the 10-year-old boy is now carrying this home and carrying the the monopoly newspaper right because the the newspaper sends you a bill every month you got to pay man so they got to get paid first before you can get any money wow okay so so i had to get more work in order to take care of the people that wouldn't pay their bill right because the 10 year old boy had to pay for it so we started doing some uh mowing lawns well, my dad, he worked for the post office, so we abused the government resources because back then a photocopy machine was hard to come by. Yes. There was very few places. that. In fact, there were offices that actually, that was part of their service. They had a centralized photocopy place so that people could come down. You know, like There was like one in a certain Yeah, you check your P.O. box and then totally. you make, cop- make your copies at the copy at the very end of the right. aisle. Because <laughs> offices didn't have them, right? Yeah, it was pretty, we used to do that all the time. So I basically <laughs> took some carbon paper. You remember? carbon paper 
paper. Yep. Oh, man. So yeah. I traced, like, some peanuts and mowing lawns, Snoopy, you know, and that sort of stuff. Hey, get your lawn mowed, you know. And one big flyer, 8 by 10 or 8 by 11, right? And so my dad came home with 75 or 50 or whatever. And back then, being the good Catholic boy I was, the altar boy, and eventually teaching Sunday school and the Catholic school and everything, you know, being spoon-fed fear and guilt my whole life, the newspaper so had... So there were other jobs for 10-year-old boys. So, <laughs> so Sorry, the, Catholics. The newspaper had a policy that you could not buy an ad from them and then subcontract and broker the advertising from them. So you couldn't buy a $1,000 ad and say, hey... Come buy an ad for 250 right? and put seven of them on there because basically what you're doing is you're using their distribution, and they wouldn't allow that. It's called brokered advertising, and so they had policy. It's like when you go to a trade show. They have a suitcase policy Mm. where if you go there, you can't, as a media person, or you go there as a guest, you can't start soliciting. Right. You you can't suitcase, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So same thing in the newspaper industry. So I wouldn't put it in the newspaper. I would just carry it with me and then put it outside the newspaper right ah technicality 10 year old boy learning the ins and outs and the loopholes right touche well i was so busy trying to figure out how to get by the system i got so clouded i didn't even realize that well why don't i just put it on the ones that need their lawn mode yeah. So that way, eventually I whittled it down because the next step was instead of doing a full page, I did half pages and then three to a page. Do you see what I mean? To add. So I cut my cost down by a third. Remember, this is a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy going through this naturally with no help, just trying to figure out how to make sure that he's got some gerbo jeans to wear. Okay? Well, I'm not going to wear the garage sale ones. I want oh, gerbos, baby. Oh, man. I want some guest jeans. I, I was going to say guest. I want to look good, man. That's <laughs> not heard of Jerbo. Isn't that the slang name for them? No, Jerbo was a brand that was around for just a couple years. They had really deep pockets. It was it like then, a Jinko jean yeah, of the like day? Jinko. Uh, it might have been. I don't know. But it was, um, It was. they were... Uh, oh, man. Now I feel dated. He doesn't so know like what Jinkos are. Up in my neck of the woods, we had Dayton's. Which was, it's Macy's and Marshall Fields. Right. And and so, anyway, they went through a couple things. They were like 150 bucks at Dayton's. And this was back in like the 90s. Okay. So, yeah, they were a higher end jean, but they only lasted a few years. So, anyway, uh, eventually what I got to is that I I then cleared my mind enough to say, I'm just going to take a handful with every day. And the homes that I know that need it done or that are basically don't have kids or outsourcing this next you learn this but it went down to where i would just basically take five or six a day and then the ones that needed it i would put it behind and then all of a sudden I'd get a call because i had gotten pre-qualifying down to a science at that point sure. mm-hmm. so as a 10 yeah 10 11 year old boy i'm just pre-qualifying my audience yeah, the, the, the hard way just like the the shelf of shame over here that matt has in the technical world yeah so when you <laughs> talk he, about the shelf of shame man <laughs> jason references my shelf of shame it's i have uh, been doing this uh, since since ever since kimberly asked me to be on her fossil fuel fridays was that like 2019 i don't know a couple of years ago she, and i started buying like little crappy microphones or little crappy cameras or because you weren't ready to invest 
I wasn't ready to invest. Probably didn't know. I, like, I didn't hardly. know. I, you yeah, know. No. Well, it's hard to when you don't know. You I'm, know about, I'm about 2 million YouTube videos into creating podcast content and audio. Mm-hmm. And, man, I'm telling you what. You can zoom through Amazon and spend a crap ton of money on stuff that just doesn't work. Jason, right. he's, the ten, he's the 10-year-old podcaster. I, just like you are the 10-year-old with the I newspaper. I thoroughly enjoy yeah. all the gadgetry, but yeah. it takes a while to get to where you need to be. And now they're wasting money on technology they don't know how to use yet. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they are figuring these... That Trust me, I went through this with the newspaper industry. We went through our paradigm shift, so I know exactly... So they're still getting impacted by this whole paradigm shift known as the internet. you got to remember, you take a look at any news... Okay, Lincoln, Nebraska, the number one newspaper in Lincoln is number two, or the Lincoln Courier or whatever it might be. So imagine the L.A. Times, right? The L.A. Times mm. got an 85% uh, hit in their classified ad section in one year because of Craigslist. So imagine 85% of your revenue in one department going away because of the Internet. That is a paradigm shift. That is why monopolies. Reason for monopolies anymore in media. I, I, I have very few trusted news sources, and they're not a particular i love what you're doing i'm going to bring you into our umbrella that's fine but there's just i'm going to go get my news from people that i know went out and actually did the homework did a story i know that you go out and do your homework and do a story with people so i'm going to listen to what you have to say or i'm going to go listen to dave ramsden wood or chuck yates you know like guys like hey look i know they also are biased for our industry that's great i actually want that in my news but also you know they're not you know they're smart enough to go do some digging too and say hey is this data right you know do i need to look here 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 I mean, I don't see how the daily Oklahoman is ever going to have all the people underneath its umbrella that I, I'm not going to read their. Well, the daily Oklahoman went through a big thing with the yeah. internet transition. They wouldn't, they weren't going to do it initially. I actually went on there and checked their classifieds like a month ago, just randomly for some, I don't recall why I was on there, but their classified exi- uh, consisted of maybe six classified ads. Mm-hmm. Ooh, they were all the same. Too, yeah, it's it's tough. Six. I mean, I mean, as soon as the car dealerships went away, yeah, that yeah. was like the last straw for a lot of the car for it a lot of bad. the automotive or for. Lot- now you got to remember the way that the newspaper industry works. Okay, the newspaper industry makes the majority of their money on the class paper. You have to have fifty percent editorial to fifty percent sales. Okay, so even your you got a design person, you've got circulation, you got so much going into that advertisement. And then also you got the whole editorial staff on side on top of that. Yeah. That's why the classifieds were so valuable. Industry is attaching themselves to you. You're your own brand. I don't need, you know, you're not CNN. You're not this. You're not that. You're like, I need advertising and you're going to get it. You're going to get lots of you know viewers. You're going to get lots of uh, listeners. So I'd rather put my money where I know it's going to be listened to by my target audience, which is guys like you or digital wildcatters. I mean, now we've. I think, uh, man, I forget who did that on LinkedIn. I'm so sorry, but um, a guy the other day said, hey, you know, give me links to all of your, you know, shows that have to do with oil and gas. And there was like a list of eventually, you know, we and we looked and searched, but it was, oh, like it was 175 now, something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, not everybody, yeah. you know, yeah. like is doing this. They're not putting together a studio or whatever, but like Max Gagliardi or uh, JP. I mean, just, JP Warren. I mean, on and on and on. We're finding people that are willing to 
uh, talk about, you know, our industry positively and, you know, and I honestly, I do this because I love what you do. I love what they do. And I will listen day after day to physically meet that person and listen to them personally. I want to meet them. You know, I'm super interested. All right. We're going to take a brief pause and we come back. We'll continue the conversation with Matt Hill, Ken Lavin, Jeremiah Smith, Jason Spies in the Trace Management Studio. This is the Cross Promotional Podcast on the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies and you're listening to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Heard on the Food Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecoodlife.com. Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment Developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. 
Com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. And this this is a great way for us to be the Aubrey McClendons of our industry, right? This is an opportunity what? to get out there. I know, on the positive <laughs> Big side. Big statement there, buddy boy. Positive side. And think about that. You've like We have to have those people representing our industry, right? And they brought, did they not bring us the thunder? You know, things like that. That you've got to look outside that box. And this is a great sounding board for us to be able to just like your show, uh, you're representing in a big way. Most importantly, I just want to launch Jeremiah's stardom into the stratosphere, and eventually his race car driving will be... I yeah, mean, that's really what we're. This is a vehicle to produce money for Jeremiah's race car driving. All that eventually. ad advertisement we're getting right now. Yeah, yeah. it's my, all going straight to the car. No my one, podcast. my one sticker on Jeremiah's that, car. It is, yeah, it's on the, the car. future NASCAR right here. You know so what's NASCAR, funny? Oh, I've got the F1. Hookup. Oh, F1. Okay, all right. My F1 guys, reach out to him. You know, Sorry. help out, help a brother out. I, Sorry, he's there you go. He keeps telling me he's going to paint the car. But I've noticed they, they haven't painted the car because they only have one advertiser, Night Energy Services. So I don't think they've painted over my logo yet just because, wow. like, well, we need our one sticker. Well, the, <laughs> they ran out of rattle cans. And he and I, and <laughs> and honestly, I got that for, you know, a trade-out in advertising anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no cash swap. Just, uh, no cash swap, just trading, yeah. But, yeah, we're trading. going back to it. So everyone has to move and monetize, unfortunately, people's data. Right, because they can't monetize. You're not using the paper. It's more delineated. You, you have a, a ton of different resources with the, the Internet to find exactly your niche, what you're looking for. I was actually out at Ufala this weekend, and this guy had been looking for uh, heads for his 68 Mustang or something like that, but specific heads that were within the date range of the block. Oh, trying to keep it the same. Yeah. Yeah, matching numbers. Right, but he was able to find a guy in Virginia. You know, Whoa. before you wouldn't have been able to do that. It's the forums and, uh, you know, the marketplaces that exist online. But, so you don't have as much of a need for the classifieds where you're looking at a million different classifieds. You have Indeed for jobs. So, yeah, the, the newspapers are struggling. There's actually been a ton of consolidation. AT&T is buying everything, uh-huh. all types of media outlets, right? You got And then you got, uh, what, George Bezo- or Jeff Bezos owns WAPO, right? You really have consolidation and a couple of guys with a lot of money. Rupert Murdoch owns Fox. Right. What about the whole, like, uh, man, I mean, this goes back, you know, there was a, a lot of uh, talk about it, but the, um, oh, the ability to, you know, filter out content on the Internet. We we all know what happens, you know, but they were, you know, they were talking about keeping the Internet free and keeping it, you know, a level playing field. So, I mean, in essence, they could probably push our numbers down mm-hmm. and prop up others oh, depending yeah. on our um our ideals are well, that already happens on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, okay. So the platforms that own their own platform, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, sure. you know, sometimes we consider, you know, maybe a liberal platform form versus not, but the, I mean, man, it goes back to, okay, okay, they own their own business. They can kind of do what they want in my head. It sucks. If we don't like it, we can go start our own that I get you're on that their platform it's theirs they can tell you yes or no and we can put monitors on but outside of that realm what do you do how do you like hey well look that's theirs we'll go start our own or you find a way to get people to find you how basically you're asking how do you get people to find you without using the major platforms 
Oh boy, that's really hard. Right. That's there. That's that's the that's the problem. So do you bow to them and say, okay, so, we'll, we'll play by your rules, so more people find me, or well, say, it's, or it's, say it's, exactly what you this want? This is what Trump's going through right now. Yeah, he's, he's trying just, to find his voice. He did away with his uh, his what blog he had. Yeah. He's still looking for a voice because Facebook knocked him off and Twitter. Yeah. Well, that's when right. you take a look at what what I've been saying, the the government is a very big part of this too because. You look at where they bail out. Okay, they generally start at the top. Okay, mm-hmm. so they bail out the top people first. Well, when you bail out the establishment or entitlement, that doesn't allow adaption to happen. Okay, the people who are the essential workers or the people who are kind of uh, uh, scrappers, if you will, those are the ones that adapt. They adapt to society. And it seems like but, the but government when you give this time around. You don't. You continue the same thing. So yeah. that's what they're, they, they want to continue the same. But what ends up happening is you end up having consolidation. Mm-hmm. And it's it's happened in 2001. It happened in 2007 through 9. It happened mm-hmm. in 2015. And it's happening once again. When we started the year, we asked U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. Because I said... He's a big... I mean, he, he supports oil and oh, gas. Oh, he's one of the biggest supporters Huge of oil and supporter gas supporter of oil and gas. Great guy. I mean, Harold Hamm was on his advisory board. Right. He was one of his biggest donors. Yeah. I've followed all the stuff you've uh, done with him. And it's been good. Senator Kramer has been just wonderful Crude life, access. everybody, by the way. If you're just tuning in, crude life. But it's, it's more on him for giving us access. Like, he literally goes from Fox News, Fox Business, to the crude life, to MSNBC... To some other, you know, BBC or something like that. He'll throw the little old crude life in there, okay, yeah. just because he feels that the oil and gas audience is that important to his platform. It's okay? important to everybody's platform. Right, and he understands yeah. all that. And so Every and, single human on Earth right now is connected to oil and gas. Whether you like it or not, it is our fuel uh, for life to be better so on after, the planet. Yeah. After Trump lost, he came out right away and said, Let's join the Paris Accord and tell everybody to meet our standards. When everybody was saying, no, let's not join it, he knew right away that we were going to join it regardless. So he tried to get the narrative going, yeah, let's make them follow us instead of us following them. Well, the media didn't pick up on that. We were like one of the only ones, you know. So we would have loved industry's help getting that message out there. But I don't know where the industry was on that. You know, we can go back and take a look on social we, media. We are That's the all, beauty of it. We're probably, we have just as many messages and platforms as there are people. So going further, um, we talk about the Even shale in plant. our own state, we have two organizations oh, with polar opposite. Well, not polar opposite. They've actually reached They've done a really good job. Uh, Mike Cantrell will be in here next, actually. He's uh, with the OEPA. And they, you know, in the past, they've had uh, you know, back and forth with the Petroleum Alliance and, you know, the state government. But, Pretty much vertical compared to horizontal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now nowadays, they've both, you know, said, hey, we really need to work together, mm-hmm. reach across, you know, our well, own industry to. and find a way forward. Yeah. yeah. House divided. What is that? There's an expression about that. A house divided can't fight anybody or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, we got to understand. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we that's why that. you know that's why they make sure the pitchforks and the torches are always fighting, mm. so they never join together. Sure, yeah. that's right. And and so that's why our our motto at the beginning of the year was strength in numbers. Okay, and there was a reason for that. And it was, you know, ready for anything was the year before. That was COVID, and that was before COVID even. We thought it was going to be the 16 year old girl, but it ended up being COVID. Right. So strength in numbers. The reason we said that is because when we went through this with the Internet, 
we had to do strength in numbers to survive. Yeah. I lost my business in 2009. I went through four recessions, five if you want to call the last one a two. When you have $2 trillion bailouts, it's kind of a recession, folks. So five recessions I've been through. I've survived four of them, okay? One I lost. One I lost. I had to bankrupt my business, okay? The Internet took me out, but you know what? Chicago Tribune got knocked out. L.A. Times got knocked out. I don't feel so bad, but guess what? You were in some legend there. The other four, though, the other four, I have survived each one without any help. We didn't get any money from the state of North Dakota. Now, when you say survive, a lot of people are like, if you're following uh, Jason, his... You know, his uh, life is the crude life, and he is interviewing people in oil and gas right, and right. or politics about oil and gas. But what the centralized theme has been on every single one of my recessions is where the bailouts go. They always go to the top, and then they they don't trickle their way down. Jeremiah, don't you like don't you like trickle down? Yeah, I, when you said it earlier, I knew he was talking about yeah. trickle. Well, totally. I bit my tongue because I got uh, Chuck was on the the show last week, and I was like, oh, he brought up something. I was like, yeah, trickle down economics doesn't work in my mind. Well, no, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't work for the same reason yeah. that communism mm-hmm. doesn't work because no. you have the human element. But yeah, and it probably worked great before NAFTA opened up. And as soon as NAFTA opened up, trickle on economics went on the wild west, and pretty soon everybody wanted a yacht. Everybody. Everybody wanted their own well, private jacket. I, so then the trickle down I, I wanna, never came. Yeah, I want a yacht and a PJ. Those, <laughs> those jobs left the United States. Ross Perot yeah. said it. You're going to hear a huge sucking sound as they go to Mexico and wherever else. If, so the, if you're young, look up Ross Perot. And the if you're, Ivory Tower, though, they were getting all the money there, and they were paying less wages to out of the yeah. country. So that money never trickled down here. I said the same thing to Chuck. A, a wealthy person can only buy so many pairs of jeans. You just don't get the velocity of their money. And now they buy financial instruments that don't actually trickle uh, down into uh, Main Street. Well, take the take the recession that we had. You have a business. I have a business. You have a business. But you're in a different state. Jeremiah but, has multiple businesses. He's but got did we did irons. we get to collect anything because some of our businesses were too small? No. Well, that's what I'm saying is that, and the reason I say we didn't get anything from North Dakota is because that's really important. I think North Dakota is a strange, really important because what they were advising people to do is go to the bank. Well, people don't need bills; they need business. Yeah. So why would you be telling people to go take out debt when they? I mean, well, okay, shut it down. I mean, if if the numbers don't work, the numbers don't work, Mm -hmm. and you got to shut it down, transition, move on. That's what this last year has been, and then go get your welfare checks and move on. I mean, that's that's the reality a lot of people are still experiencing right now is how am I supposed to get through this next six months? Because now they're saying buying is going to start again in the third quarter. Okay, well, they said it was going to be second quarter. Now well, they, it's going to be 2021. And they shut that down here in Oklahoma, is that right? All I know is that the yeah. goalposts have moved five times in the last oh, two yeah. years, and nobody's talking about it. That's why we call it news, rumors, and newspeak. In fact, <laughs> I called up my own ass, my own yeah. Crude life ass because, you know, we had a Jenica, right? Oh, Jenica is a great story, by the way. 31-year-old mother of three got laid off because of COVID. Her husband gets laid off because of coal, gets laid off because of oil and gas. She understands the business better than anybody. She's out there. I, give, I offer her a part-time job with my own money, my own investment money, because I knew we needed to grow and I knew I couldn't do it alone, right? So I give her a list of 15 names. Wish list. Go get Christy Craddock. Go get the governor of Wyoming. Go get this person. She got him, and she got him. And by the way, not one oil and gas organization, not a woman's organization, not a state-run organization, nobody reached out to her at all. 
Man. She's out there ripping the ball off it. And I see posts every night on social media about someone doing something and someone doing something that had nothing to do with the industry. That reminds me. Hey, if you're uh, listening, we are... We are constantly looking for a content and guests. So, uh, man, I'm just saying, like, you know, we have this yeah. great studio. Do what I do. You got to pay them sometimes. Hey, I, I, all I know is that I want to. Right, if you that. If we don't want to start that. Yeah. <laughs> what you want to pay us to be on or no? We just we just need uh, we we just want somebody to come in and talk to us about you know what they feel about oil and gas, what they're doing. You know, you got ideas, information, technology. Like, what's your you know business? I mean, but when we, I look we need at- people in here. So reach out. So you're calling out North Face to come in? Stop. No, hey, have North. Have you seen the, the billboard they put? Yeah, out? that's what I was going to bring you, up. Have you seen the new commercial? The guy, uh, man, I love that. I it's, just saw the new commercial where he he was like, "Thank you, North Face." Is that once yes, again the Colorado? It's oh man, Colorado we we somewhere. are being we're we're the best trolls. Don't he ever, said he is going after that. Don't movie. don't come after. You know what? Just. Just thank us for our business. What's the end goal with the North Face thing? I don't know. We, no, we have we have no end goal. They just they just said we don't like oil and gas, but no, ninety percent of their products are made by oil and gas. No, but there's a great example of the new marketplace. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you t- take. I mean, they're a public company, aren't they? I hate mentioning their name. I, I believe they're don't a public mention that, their name again. I, I just hey, would like to do it. Would it be interesting it. if they came? That, by no, the way, I would like to talk about that. About no, spending time and energy towards that when all we're really doing is increasing the awareness yeah, of sales. Exactly. Okay? I saw a dozen people with North Face stuff. When I say cancel the them, don't conference. mention their name. I mean, and I looked at him, and I, I would say to people, like, uh, if people are giving you a hard time, he goes, a couple people gave me weird looks, but I didn't know much about I mean, People had no idea, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they're walking around with the North Face stuff. But, no, I, I do think, though, is that there are probably some people out there thinking, okay, it would be nice if, because keep in mind, there are people paying dues to organizations. Yeah. It would be nice if I got that kind of attention from my organization to help promote my business. Well, promote it here. What, what what do you got going on right now? Like what what all what all can people tune in to find you on and your platform and like promote yourself real quick. Like tell us uh well, that's what we're doing, right? We're Yeah, absolutely. But I want you to uh what where are you like going? Pitch. What, pitch no, me. well, no, okay. So like some of the stuff that we're talking about cuz people can actually like be an advertiser for you. Oh, sure. Yeah. We, well, we do sponsorships. Yeah, we do sponsorships. sponsorships. And the way we do sponsorships are is that uh, anybody can come on our platform, and the sponsorships know that. Okay? But if you're a sponsor, you go to the front of the line. Yeah. It's just, you know, we don't hide from that. But we also have a mission statement, and we have certain editorial criteria in order to get on either the radio or get in the magazine or get on, you know, something where there's some public trust involved and a few other things because we do have certain criteria that we do have to follow. And so the sponsors and and the guests know that. The oil and gas industry is great because they stay in their own wheelhouse. You're not going to have somebody... it's not great. We, now we found out we got to step out the battle. Well, this a is bit. why I want to know where we're going with the North Face thing. Yeah. Is is because at the end of the day, you got to adhere to shareholders, okay? And if we're getting into this whole new thing to where, if North Face, who's a public, I think is a public company. I do VF. They, 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 yeah, yeah, you are right. Yeah, right. VF investment during a pandemic in the winter can actually deny business for hypocritical reasons and that is not hang on here and that is not the news story at all Mm -hmm. that tells me we are in a new marketplace 
where a lot of times the, the actual merit in the business doesn't matter anymore. That's why these bailouts are important and the trickle down is important because if you're not getting any of that support, that same, pro- it probably ain't coming. That same parent company, that's Does that what, make sense to you, yeah. Mr. Trickle Down? Maybe. <laughs> I just look at it, and the one thing I see is North Face is trying to have cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Right? But, but they're getting it. They that's want the cheap, part. They want cheap materials, okay. and then they want a bad mouth. On it, that right? same, make it out of hemp. On that same note, though, we have a organization within our own industry that's kind of doing that, and then we have some companies. We're on that board, aren't we? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, we're, no. Well, you guys are talking no. about the yeah. We're on, yeah, I know, but we're okay. on. Who's on API? We we are both on the board for but the Oklahoma City chapter, and they've you know let us know we're not really part of the API. We are the API Oklahoma City chapter, so we keep it in in ball means we don't have anything to do with the national chapter. We, well, we have a contract with them, so yeah. okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we our do not speak on behalf. We do not the speak on behalf. Chapter, we have API. to say that yeah. now well, that we okay. brought it up, but well, our. Only thing that we do is we have luncheons with you know pretty technical talks about you know it's our one chance a month where we can bring somebody in and just nerd out on the new technology for oil and gas. Mm-hmm. It's a blast. We yeah. we do enjoy those mm-hmm. talks. Well, one of the things you mentioned about the crude life is you know we're we're trying to get people to go on record with the carbon tax. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, part of what we're trying to do is you know. It's, it is what it doesn't it matter is. what your what your background is, what your race is, all that. Everybody's welcome at the crude life because everybody uses energy, right? So at the same time, we are going to poke some bears in the industry and shake a few few trees from time to time Disruptor. because we need to tear down some silos because the silos are getting bigger, and if the silos continue to get bigger, we're going to have less companies at the end of the year. Keep in mind, U.S. Senator Kramer said, "If we keep going," I asked him this. I said. My prediction is is that if we keep spending the same money with the same people and doing the same things that we're doing, we're going to have six companies controlling 90% of the global oil supply by the end of the year. He said it'll be three, Jason. It'll be three. He, said. he went down to three. He corrected me and said wow. three, okay? Do you see so, us? I mean, so you are... Um, so what I'm saying is that we need to tear silos down and look at things differently. That's why this Bach and barbecue thing with the potatoes of inclusion. Now we're going to bring a spud gun and have ESG security with renewable ammo. We're going to make sure people understand this ESG ridiculousness to the whole new degree. We're going to have a potato clock. We're going to show you that if you have a thousand pounds of potatoes, you can have your cell phone charged for one hour. With one whole day of charging it with potatoes, renewable energy, baby. We're going to show them exactly what they're getting. <laughs> he, well, true. I mean, it harkens back to your days of Johnny Green. The fact that you're self-deprecating and self-deprecating for our industry and making fun of the crap we come up with. ESG is just as good as about the green energy guys going. We're green energy. It's just us going ESG. I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. If if I can have any message that I would like people to leave with, and I don't know how long we're going to be here, so this might be the middle of the podcast, and I might. Say I'm some kicking things you that out are right after you say this. They, they, they might <laughs> right, offend right. people, and they might make you think. And I, I'm all over the place, and I drive a lot, so I got a lot of free time with my dog. Right. Yeah. So if I could leave you just with this thought, what was my thought again? What is your thought again? What, what were That's you talking about? Nothing. I, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> ESG. Yeah, the the potato guns. ESG. Oh man! See, how I totally lost my train of thought. No, I, I, I was sure. just, I was just saying you are self deprecating for yourself and our Thank industry. You. In order to advance a conversation, if you take, because keep in mind, a lot of the stuff that I studied was more the 5,000 foot view. Like when I, my background actually is journalism and writing and language. That's why you're in this unique position so, where you, right. you are not 
you are not employed by an oil and gas company right now. Well, I mean, you have sponsors. However, you get a they huge want take. Me to approach it yeah. from a journalistic view because they you're know interviewing people I all over the, the country industry. in every part of the industry. So you have a different view. So the the one thing you hear it all that. And you can go back to take a look at the Romans and Shakespeare and John Stewart and uh, Lenny Bruce or George Carlin or whoever. In or- Saturday Night Live, 30 Rock. In order to advance people in society, the best way that seems to work throughout civilization is through humor. It's through humor. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times we try to bring humor to our information. And oil and gas is very I just don't think Saturday Night Live is humorous. It's not. But it's, it's terrible. But a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. And, well, and our industry is going to be But a lot of people that do not <laughs> yeah. like oil and gas well, we watch Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's yeah. who's been trained about petroleum over the last whatever. And with oil and gas being so technical, it's very difficult to make it humorous. And so that's why we, we, Johnny Green, yeah, that was, that was to be fun. So we try to infuse fun out mm-hmm. there. So if I could leave you with this oil and gas industry halfway through or whatever we're through, grab a hold. I want you to grill Jeremiah next. You need we're, to grab a hold of the through. narrative. Grab a hold of the narrative with humor and fun that you can then educate with how you want to educate. For example, the renewable ammo, the the potato clock, the we're actually considering doing tales of the Tesla. My friend his wife bought an EV car, $90,000. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have a good story. I can't wait. Now, the kids are having to take turns to drive into town to charge it. Yep. Because it's such a pain in the ass. It's a crap car. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's going to put one of those camper uh, uh, witches on the back so he can put a generator. Can he's going to have his wife oh, yeah, drive around with diesel. So here's something interesting that no one ever brings up about these EVs, by the way. Do you guys know how much a Model 3 weighs? No. But, oh, okay. dude, they're like 7,000 pounds. They're not that bad, but comparative to a car of the same size. Which so, is 2,500 pounds. Yeah, it's around 3,000 pounds. Is okay. what the you just come normal. up with numbers. I hey, like you. I'm pretty close. Well, so like allegedly but, everything with him. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. And so they're, they're somewhere around 28 to 3,200 pounds for a, an internal an ICE engine compared to an ICE car compared to a Tesla. Okay. Tesla weighs 4,600 pounds. The new Hummer will weigh almost 96. 600 pounds. Good Think Lord. about the roads. When you say new Hummer, are you talking about like an EV yeah, Hummer? The EV. Yeah, the oh, So the God. roads are a real what problem. Have they done yeah, that but that, this car. is something that has been. So we're talking about infrastructure, and you know, they're mm-hmm. putting in these Class C chargers, which are 440. They uh, 80% charge. I'm assuming if you're listening to this show, everybody, that you will not buy any of this garbage. It, you know, it's still good for natural gas. You know, it's just a longer exhaust pipe. And I bet you that's what he was getting to, was following the tail, because yeah. it's still coming from that. And, well, and I love the, I love well, the little I, stations. Oh, they yeah. have a generator behind a fence my wife's dear friend beth hawkins uh, she's an oil and gas wife and uh, a beautiful uh, wonderful woman she uh, does photography so if you're uh, in the tulsa area she uh, look up beth hawkins photography and she let me drive her tesla this weekend down to our little dad party in oklahoma city where we dressed up like dads so I thought that'd be funny. Did you just wear your normal clothes. I, I wore my. So oh, apparently everything man. I wear is also a mirror. But oh. you know, like, hey, dress up just like you. But that's our costume as twenty year olds for tonight. <laughs> I was like, ouch, this hurts. But we uh, we drove her Tesla, mm-hmm. and it was at about. 30% charge and I asked her I was like is this enough you know blah 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 question go ahead did it have the manufactured noise like an engine 
Yes. My buddies. It is so quiet. No, everything about this car felt like I was driving in the future. It was great on that aspect. Like, oh, this is like a video game car. This is super cool. Like, all it's brand new to me. So all of it, like the extreme crazy speed thing yeah, that the you torque can hit, at the beginning and the launch mm-hmm. mode, and like all the things. Yeah. Like, do you want to go zero to sixty in three seconds right now? Yes, yes, I would. Souped up golf cart. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, but it's completely a toy because. We went there. By the time we got from Edmond, Oklahoma City, it was already down at like 20%. And then we can go back home. It's like at you know 10%. She charged that thing. This is her kid. She's a mom with all these kids coming from Tulsa. She charged her car overnight at my house. The next day... It was at 20%. Mm-hmm. She had got from 10 to 20% using my house all night long. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state, and safety is is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, Uh, the President Biden's administration, that this is Obama-Biden 2.0 plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. Welcome back to the Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. I am Sean Forbes with TeamForbes.com and OGDirectory.com. Jason Spies is my co-host today. I went out there on my first rig move, and I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of America. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an 
interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on, okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. It's a funny thing when I think sometimes it's just really ironic. I'll, I we used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company? <laughs> pull in an electric car. So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. I have the pleasure now of talking with Charles Gorecki, and he's with the Energy and Environmental Research Center. I, for some reason, have such a hard time remembering all the words that go into the EERC, but I'm sure everybody knows what that really means. And uh, I'm very excited to get to talk with you about policies and the presentations and the stuff going on with the energy industry today. Uh, Would you like to begin with something that you find to be very pressing about the energy industry or maybe about the content that's been presented this week? Yeah, sure. Again, um, I'm the CEO at the Energy and Environmental Research Center, and we're a non-teaching branch of the University of North Dakota, focused on solving those challenges that our industry is facing. And really, we're seeing a lot of challenges today. Uh, I presented earlier in the week about the headwinds for the Bakken, things like ESG challenges, uh, lack of investment, um, and a whole lot of reduction in carbon. So that seems like an insurmountable challenge, but when we think about the Bakken, uh, we actually have this incredible asset where we can put carbon dioxide to work, for example. And that's been a big push and a big topic of discussion at this meeting this week. Oh, yeah, we've heard quite a lot about the different... Uh, well, specifically, there's been a lot of noise created around Governor Burgum's presentation stating that he would like North Dakota to be carbon neutral by 2030. Uh, that, that seems like it would be a big statement. I mean, how close do you think we are to that goal now? Well, we've been working on uh, reducing carbon for about uh, two decades at the EERC. Everything from understanding where we could uh, store CO2 to all of our point sources of carbon dioxide. Uh, We've taken that into the laboratory. We've taken pilot tests out into the field, and we've actually done commercial demonstrations. At this point in North Dakota, we're looking at a number of different uh, carbon capture and utilization projects and storage projects that are going to help reach the governor's uh, bold goal of uh, carbon neutrality by 2030. Project Tundra is a big one. So that's a carbon capture project at uh, Minn Kota's Milton R. Young Power Station where they'll capture 4 million tons per year of carbon dioxide off of that power plant to put electrons onto the grid that have uh, no carbon uh, or low carbon uh, at the same time storing that carbon dioxide in the subsurface. Red Trail Energy is another one. It's a biofuels plant. It's making ethanol. Uh, and they're going to capture all of their carbon dioxide from the fermentation process, about 200,000 tons per year, again, storing that in the subsurface. But when we really think about long-term, we've got about 30 million tons of point source CO2 emissions in North Dakota. Uh, we can store all of that easily in our saline formations, deep underground, these formations that are filled with salt water that don't have any future use, or even better, in my opinion, would be to put that 30 million tons of CO2 to work in the Bakken. Uh, the Bakken has the potential to use three, four, five billion tons of carbon dioxide to produce five, six, seven, eight billion barrels of oil. 
Uh, some of our presenters today talked about how we can actually put more carbon dioxide in the ground at sometimes um, than oil and the oil emissions uh, if it's combusted on the outside. So we actually could have a carbon neutral barrel of oil depending upon how you draw the box. So that's where I see the real future um, and the real potential to be able to utilize our resources and hit those goals of carbon neutrality. Things like uh, blue hydrogen, uh, using biofuels that have no carbon or low carbon, carbon negative, and then reliable baseload power from like Cold Creek and Milton R. Young, uh, reliable power with no carbon or low carbon as well. So it's possible. It's a big challenge, though. Well, it, and it, 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 is, it is a big challenge, it sounds like, but it, it also, like you said, sounds very, very possible. Uh, I think there might be, I feel like there may be a lot of people surprised to find out how close North Dakota is actually to the goal that, that was just announced yesterday. But would that be changed if the Biden administration were to implement this climate tax? Do you think that that would have any effect on the programs here in North Dakota and how uh, we proceed forward with the uh, carbon sequestration and uses? Well, I'm not exactly sure what carbon tax has been discussed in the Biden, by the Biden administration. And it, typically, a carbon tax is uh, just costs everybody more money at the end of the day. And a lot of times, those taxes that are that are put in place aren't necessarily utilized by the governments putting the taxes in place to then reduce carbon further, which is an unfortunate thing. Uh, right now, there are carbon credits that are available, which is more of the the carrot approach. Um, by using a carbon credit, you create uh, an economic incentive for a company to go and make those big investments to reduce carbon. And that's, and that's the path we're on at the moment. Again, there may be a carbon tax in the future. I worry about what that will be to the end user, the people of North Dakota and the United States, as far as how much more they might pay for energy. And that's the, that's the unintended effect of a carbon tax generally, as all those costs are passed on to the consumer. So do you think that that would be kind of a detriment probably in North Dakota as far as being able to utilize and continue innovations? Well, I think I think the way to get around uh, for North Dakota to succeed in a, in a climate with a carbon tax is to use those technologies to not emit the carbon dioxide. If we're already on, those, on that path, that is the way to continue to produce that reliable power. If we don't have a solution for capturing the carbon from our coal-fired power plants, like, like we've got with Tundra, um, and a carbon tax is implemented, the thing that'll happen immediately is our coal-fired power plants will be shut in, shut down. And that will, will create a situation probably like we've seen in Texas over this last year where we have unreliable power. Most of the time it'll be just fine. 97% of the time we'll have power when we, uh, when we want it. But those through that 3% of the time we might not have power and we don't get to choose when that happens. And it'll probably be on the hottest day of the year or the coldest, coldest night of the, of the year and that's when we won't have power. So. I think uh, we need to continue driving forward as hard as we can, as fast as we can, to create an economic scenario where carbon capture from our coal-fired power plants, for example, is achievable um, so that we can have that reliable power. And if things, policy that comes into place, like a carbon tax, we have, a, we have already set up ourselves up for success as opposed to being forced into closure and, and really pushing ourselves into failure, I think. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people waiting with bated breath to see how things go from here. Um, on a slightly different topic, because I know there's been, an, like I said, a lot, or like you said, an awful lot of uh, focus on the carbon, uh, carbon sequestration, the programs that have been put in place. Um, what about when it comes to the security infrastructure for North Dakota Energy? Is there any focus on that, I mean, how heavily are people looking into the security as far as um, 
well, yeah, the infrastructure here in North Dakota. Do we have to worry? We don't. Do we have to worry about any of those attacks, like on the East Coast? Or I think that's certainly something we should worry about. It's not an area that I particularly focus on, but I know all of our energy partners focus on this every single day. The government in North Dakota, we focus on it every single day. Our grid, um, MISO and SPP, they focus on reliability uh, and protection against cyber attacks. So it certainly is something that they face every single day. Uh, even as uh, at the EERC, of course, or any company out there experiences these cyber attacks every single day. So certainly something we need to continue to be vigilant about. Um, and I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if we continue to see foreign attacks on our infrastructure that jeopardize the reliability of our uh, power and providing that affordable, reliable power to our people. Okay, so from your from your involved position in in the industry, you don't you you don't really feel like there's you feel pretty secure is what is what I'm hearing, right? You feel yeah, pretty I, secure in how. I feel secure, but I, I'd also say that there's a lot of money and effort and focus being put on that cybersecurity, and we can't stop doing it because the attacks are not going to stop. No. So we need to continue to be vigilant and continue to uh, work together to provide those solutions so that our infrastructure is protected from cyber attacks. Positive it's, outlook. Yeah. I'm an optimistic kind of person. So Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. One last question in case there was anything that you specifically would like to focus on or, or let people know about. You know, it's kind of the, the theme, uh, maybe if I could say a statement about the whole um, CO2 and power and peace, and, and that's that we don't have to choose anymore. We, have, we can have clean and reliable. We don't have to choose between one or the other. Solutions like Tundra are exactly that. We can capture the carbon dioxide and provide 24-7 reliable power, so we don't have to choose. And that's what I'd like to leave you with. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I very much appreciate it. Absolutely. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Yes, ma'am. With the possibility of different changes by the administration coming down the line, for example, the climate tax, how do you feel that's going to affect the global trade? Yeah, it's bad for America. It's, uh, it will impose costs on a product that the United States uses not only for its internal purposes. We forget, we think about cars, gasoline, right? We think about uh, the energy, the natural gas-fired power plants that provide electricity, but we ought not forget how much, how much of our fossil fuel products are processed into all kinds of things plastic things that we use, uh, medical devices. This is an industry that impacts every sector of the American economy and therefore our capacity to sell all of our products around the world at affordable prices. We, we want to be the producer. We want to be the manufacturer. These jobs matter in the United States of America. We all know that when you tax something, you get less of it. And so these threats that this administration has uh, put forward, these proposals that intend to decrease the capacity for America to produce energy affordably, put all of those manufacturing jobs, all of the good work that happens here in the Wilson basis, and that America's capacity to extend those benefits to the world it puts it at risk. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. All right. We are here with Lynn Helms, who is the director of the North Dakota Department of Mineral Resources up here. And actually, I know I know you, you wear multiple hats because you, let's see, you're the director of for, for the marketing as well, aren't you? Well, we part of our job is to promote the production of the resource. And we, we have a promotional arm, which is the geological survey. And their job is to identify valuable mineral resources in the state and promote them to investors to come and drill or mine or um, extract 
the, those minerals and uh, boost our economy. So, yes, I, I straddle that fence. I have a geological survey that does that, uh, publication and promotion, and I have an oil and gas division that does regulation. Wow, so that's you. You've got you've got a, a large role to fill then in the uh, energy industry for North Dakota. Is what that means, right? It feels like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, the individuals here were lucky enough to get to hear you speak just a little bit ago. But I thought maybe if you'd be interested, you could share with our listeners what you were talking about in regards to North Dakota oil and gas. Sure. So we just came off a decade of phenomenal growth where North Dakota went from number eight in production to number two, went from 100,000 barrels of oil a day to 1.5 million barrels a day, and grew the state population fourth uh, highest growth rate in the nation between the 2010 and 2020 census. So we saw places like McKenzie County, Watford City, triple their population uh, over the last 10 years and all of that because of people investing in oil and gas and moving to North Dakota to make that happen. So then 2020 happened uh, and uh, everything came to a screeching halt over a very short period of time and uh, so we partnered uh, using CARES Act money, partnered with the industry to keep a core group of, of people employed and uh, working through the last six months of 2020 un- until things could begin to recover. And now they have. So we talked about the fact that we're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, we're back to 18 drilling rigs. We have nine frack crews running. Uh, that's not nearly enough. Uh, we're, companies are getting back on their feet in terms of profit and producing capital and just visiting and networking with folks here at the conference, finding out that our oil and gas operators are making big plans to go back to investing next year. So we think that we're going to get really back in business next year and that we can have another decade of phenomenal growth. And so I put some challenges out there of some things people have to do to make that happen. Oh, what, what, what were your challenges? So the first one was that they've already got 14,448 uncompleted wells on the books. Mm. Wells that they've drilled and not completed or wells that they plan to drill when, when budgets return or wells that legally I've signed an order approving the drilling of that well. They just haven't permitted it yet or, or drilled oh. it yet. So compare that to the fact that we only have 14,095 already drilling and producing. It's more than double. So over the next decade, they need to more than double the well count in North Dakota. That's a big enough job in itself. That's going to bring enormous natural gas production. And one of the things that our state is all in on is putting the policies in place and getting the investment here to add value to that, to to break out all the products and store them provide propane to North Dakota and South Dakota farmers to dry their grain, uh, provide ethane to a plastics industry uh, to make plastic, uh, and use some of that to make electrons uh, to do things like charge your iPhone (laughs) across the country and export it as electrons. So that's, that's number two. And then the third challenge is that we're only recovering about 10 to 15% of the oil. 
that's in the bucket. So even with everything we've done, we're leaving 85 to 90 percent of the oil in the ground. That out of every 10 barrels, eight and a half to nine is staying down there. And so we're going to invest in research and field trials and figure out how to do what they call enhanced soil recovery, which we think can double the amount of oil that we recover from the rock. And that'd be over the next 10 years. Hopefully there's more to come behind that. Well, yeah, actually, um, since you brought up EOR, I had been curious. I'd seen that there are three main methods uh, that are generally currently in use. And then I'd seen that Russia was developing a, a plasma blast of some sort. And I'm, I'm not really sure, but I, I was yeah. curious to know what kind of what kind of methods is it? Are you strictly using a gas lift, the CO2 method or? Um, no, not at all. Uh, there are several research projects on the use of CO2. And you heard the, I don't know if you were here yesterday to hear the governor's challenge, but um, his challenge is to utilize CO2 from our coal-fired power plants and also CO2 coming into the state for enhanced oil recovery, which will allow us essentially as a state to become carbon neutral, which, which is an awesome challenge and an awesome goal. And so that's one of the methods that's being studied. There's been some experiments and tests and research done with that no successes yet uh, so that but that is that is one of the primary forms that we're looking at another form is to actually re-inject the gas that comes out with the oil and that's been done successfully in South Texas and so there's been one or two tests of that in North Dakota some near misses but no successes yet and then we have um, some professors and grad students at University of North Dakota that are working on uh, a nanotechnology to oh, deliver wow. something in into the reservoir, uh, whether it's CO2 or a surfactant or something, to recover more oil. And then finally, we have funded a, a research project that's now in field trials. Uh, a local North Dakota company has come up with a uh, biologically produced through a fermentation process nano surfactant that we can treat the wells with that looks like it's going to allow us to recover a lot more oil so wow. no we're 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 pushing all the buttons not not just co2 i'm gonna see that that's that's wow that is yeah. quite a lot of innovative techniques so with with the nanotechnology just because this was what popped into my head is so it's kind of like a timed release and is what you're saying you send the nano bots or whatever downhole and then when they are in place they release whatever the payload is i guess the yeah exactly the so the, the the pore spaces in the bakken are very 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 small they're less than 20 nanometers mm. in size so it, it, you you couldn't in in a lot of them you could barely get a human hair in there and so delivering something into there is is difficult and then having it do its thing so yeah these are intended to uh, be small enough to get into those little pore spaces and then much like the gel cap around your medicine to release it after it's in there not in the well bore but after it has actually gotten into these small nanopores in in the rock itself wow what happens to the nanobots after they've given their payload i mean are they are they made they, of they are made of stuff that uh, um degrades so they're 
they so completely it just goes right back into nothing. the environment harmlessly. Exactly. Okay. They, they attach themselves to the rock, and then over time and with temperature, they, they just go back to what they were before they were fermented. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so this actually makes brings me around to this potential carbon tax. With all of the research going on here in North Dakota, should the administration put a tax on carbon, what would that do for research here in North Dakota? So um, one of the things about a carbon tax is it's it's sort of, uh, what do I want to say, it's retroactive and it's punitive uh, in that it takes capital away from the companies. We think a, a better approach is to partner with the industries that are already working on this and successful uh, to some measure and, you know, provide grant money and encourage capital investment into these kind of technologies as opposed to taxing people for not using the technologies. Um, It it takes a lot of capital to do one of these things. a billion dollars worth of capital to capture the CO2 off a coal-fired power plant and, and deliver it to an oil field. And so if, if you tax them, uh, I guess, you know, that's a stick, and, and you can, you know, punish them for not doing that. Yeah. North Dakota's approach, on the other hand, is to take earnings from the Legacy Fund and partner with them in loaning them money at low interest and in investing in research on ways to do it economically uh, so so that they'll have a, a different reason and a different driver for doing it. Certainly, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's actually, but I, I've listened to quite a few speakers talk on different parts of what's happening in, in the energy industry to try and give a hand up and make it, you know, get it back to full strength again, I guess, if you will. Yep. So, what, so I guess with... With the possibility of this this climate tax looming, do, do you think that affects the outlook, the future outlook for the industry here in North Dakota at all, or is it, are you still feeling pretty optimistic? I mean, well, we're we're still very optimistic, but um, it does create a lot of uncertainty and anxiety, uh, particularly amongst the smaller companies and uh, especially the smaller companies that ended up going through a chapter 11 last year because of the pandemic you know they're just getting back on their feet and and so it would take capital away from them at a time when they desperately need it to to invest in these improvements we've talked about i don't know how you know if you tax the money away from the company how then do you get them to raise capital and invest in in what they need to be doing seven eight years from now that's yeah. that's a very good question. <laughs> well, I guess I know and, that, and I think I think that they can invest that money more wisely than our government can. And I and I work for the government, but the government rarely makes wise investments. And these companies can see what what they need to be investing that money in in order to move themselves forward into a carbon neutral world. Oh, oh, yeah. Col- collaborative efforts mm-hmm. seem to work best. That seems to be, that is the approach that North Dakota wants to take in all of this. Well, that's that's fantastic. Is there anything that you would specifically like to let people know about? Is there something of very, you know, importance that you think should be shared? Yeah, I want to really talk about uh, the 
some of the policies that our legislature put in place this last, we just finished a legislative session. And one of the things that they did was to create a government partner for industry investment in getting to carbon neutral. It's called the Clean Sustainable Energy Authority. And this group uh, is going to start out with $25 million and also be able to loan $250 million to companies to do the kind of research that we're talking about to move towards the goal and the challenge that the governor put out there, which is um, let's, let's get the investment and the research and the policies done to make North Dakota carbon neutral in 10 years and carbon negative in 20. Bold statements. Mm-hmm. Definitely possible with what, what's, what's happening here. in the. Well, yeah. uh, as the governor said, we hit the geologic jackpot. So we have the oil resources, we have the coal resources, we have uh, the geology to store CO2. And so we can actually, and, and we have the, the soil science to do it as well uh, in the Red River Valley and in the green pastures out in western North Dakota. So what we need to do is pull all of that together and actually we're looking to a future where CO2 from other states that weren't blessed with our geology comes here to to be uh, disposed of or, or stored out of the atmosphere, turning North Dakota into, into a carbon negative state. Actually, uh, Lieutenant Governor Sanford had mentioned something about that yesterday, stating that North Dakota seems to use more CO2 than what they're even capturing. So it's necessary to, to pull it in. It's, 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 so that's that's yeah. that's really, that's the, we're, we're almost need, there we're now. We're going to right? need CO2 here. Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's exciting. Very yeah. exciting. So that's what I, w- I want to you know, leave everybody with is uh, the, it's not easy, but our, our state has worked hard to put the tax and regulatory and investment policies in place to to partner with our industry uh, to provide them the carrot and and the assistance to get there. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Jennifer. <laughs> Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. heard on the crude life morning show play hard work hard is by the moody river band interested in becoming a sponsor email studio at the crude the crude life play hard work hard is sponsored in part by great american mining monetizes wasted stranded and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for bitcoin mining 
Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to GAM.ai. That's Great American Mining, GAM.ai. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. My name is Jason Speece, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Ron Ness, president of the North Dakota Petroleum Council. He's interviewed by Jenica Hauser, our Crude Life content correspondent. This is Ron Ness. I do. I uh, represent uh, over 650 companies involved in the oil and gas industry in North Dakota and the Rocky Mountain region. So uh, broad ranging from producers to pipeliners to midstreamers to uh, all types of service companies, refiners. So uh, we got a pretty good, pretty good uh, overview, I think, of what's going on in the industry most days. Our focus today and, and really throughout this entire conference is uh, has been primarily just to instill the confidence in the communities in the workers, in the companies, in the service providers, and North Dakotans as a whole, that the Bakken is just a world-class asset, and uh, great plays get better in the oil and gas industry, and the longevity, the, the fact that uh, our resilience after a COVID year, which was, you know, uh, as Harold Hamm has labeled it, the triple whammy against this industry, here we are a year later producing 1.1 million barrels a day, and a tough year. It was uh, a devastating uh, body blow to this industry and uh, we've survived and certainly uh, you can't look around this conference and not feel some enthusiasm which you know I'm not sure was here 10 months ago eight months ago five months ago the confidence that we can reinstore that leads to that technology that needs leads to that innovation to listen to the full-length interview with Ron Ness president of the North Dakota Petroleum Council or to check out other exclusive interviews visit the that's the the Crude Life promotes a culture of inclusion and respect through interviews, content creation, live events, partnerships that educate, enrich, and empower people to create a positive social environment for all, regardless of age, race, sexual orientation, physical, or intellectual ability. Everyday energy for everyday people. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spees asking you to remember, energy is more than an industry, it's the way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spees with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out the industrial forest. 
industrialforest.com. That's the industrialforest.com. Change happens no matter whether somebody gets oil or not. Mm-hmm. Well, all the stories my dad taught to me. She taught me again. My, me personally, he said, I do well in my business and I have minerals, but I'd personally not like to see this come. And I said, you know what, Every it, it may not be as bad as you think. It- she taught me well and she taught me right. She taught me how to see. And so I, you know, swerved for the ditch. Um, I ended up with... Uh, I don't remember how many broken ribs, you know, my lung collapsed, I'm, you know, uh, broke my wrist, broke my shoulder, broke a vertebrae, my foot, my knee, my, um, but my kids were all with me. And But then I understand where ranchers are coming from now that I do ranch and two, where it's frustrating when you got them going through their land with their pipelines. And, um, We've got roughly 2,100 people homeless in North Dakota, about 1,400 of them unsheltered. She told me about a long, long road. So he kicked his window out and he jumped out and he ran to stop this truck that I had hit. There'd be no one to take my place, no one to wear this crown. He gets out in the ditch and he ran in front of the truck and he's waving and screaming and yelling. She told me about the strength that I need and where it could be found. He jumped up on the running board of the truck and he was like, help, help, mom needs help, call 911. And the guy, like, turned his head away from him. If you're not sharing, then I'm not going to work with you because I won't accomplish my dream, right? And never be away too long. greatness of this country was the fact that we had great leaders and now there's pressure on people to win get money do this cut the system down the bernie madoffs blah 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 goes on we've lost our moral compass honestly we all work for money you know so i I went out there for the money if you find yourself out there just remember it's crazy it's dangerous and i honestly i mean it's gonna be a long time before i let my kids drive on those roads it's not the same as when we grew up exclusive interview industry news environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com